Hi, this is uh, Eyal Shai, and you're about to hear an installment out of a series called Deep Hanging Out Community. It's me speaking with my friend Catherine Widewis about community and different aspects of community, like society versus the individual, uh, the dark side of community, how to establish communities and maintain them, and much more. So I hope you enjoy. Hi, Catherine. Hi, how are you today? Good. I'm excited for the second installment of our series. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought it would be good to start with something that relates to our um, non-exhaustive discussion last time about the tension between uh, personal or individual liberties and commitments that are actually uh, beneficial and which might be the the reason that it's quite hard actually to it, it seems that it's so easy to um, leave the tribe but it's not so easy to build the tribe yeah. uh, from scratch and um, yeah what I'm going to read also relates to current events which is the Russian invasion of the Ukraine um, so it's my favorite anti-war poem, but it also, as you'll see, it has this um, Latin maxim about a community that's used so often to uh, bring communities together and not in the healthiest of ways. So I'll try to do it in one take. It's not going to be the Kenneth Branagh reading, but I'll try. <laughs> um, so this is um, Dulce et Decorum Est. And I'm saying dulce because I use the classical Latin pronunciation. So if you're a medieval Latin speaker, uh, you'll say dulce. But anyway, uh, this was written by Wilfred Owen, who was a, an English um, gentleman who fought in the First World War and came home with what was known then as shell shock. And uh, he has written this amazing thing. So... Here goes. Bent double, like old beggars under sacks, knock-kneed, cuffing like hags, we cursed through sludge, till on the haunting flares we turned our backs, and towards our distant rest began to trudge. Men marched asleep, many had lost their boots, but limped on, bloodshoed. All went lame, all blind, drunk with fatigue, Deaf even to the hoots of gas shells dropping softly behind. Gas! Gas! Quick, boys! An ecstasy of fumbling, fitting the, fitting the clumsy helmets just in time. But someone still was yelling out and stumbling and floundering like a man in a fire or lime. Dim through the misty panes and thick green light, as under a green sea I saw him drowning. In all my dreams before my helpless sight, he plunges at me, guttering, choking, drowning. If in some smothering dreams, you too could pace behind the wagon that we flung him in and watch the white eyes writhing in his face, his hanging face like a devil's sick of sin. If you could hear at every jolt the blood come gargling from the froth-corrupted lungs, obscene as cancer, bitter as the cud of vile, incurable sores on innocent tongues, 
my friend, you would not tell with such high zest to children ardent for some desperate glory, the old lie. Dulce et decorum est pro patria mori. Yeah. So the horrors of war, I think, which he uh, describes in very graphic detail. Um, you know, these are partly enabled by these lies. So dulce decorum est pro patria mori means it's... Um, it's beautiful and fitting to die for your fatherland. And this notion of gathering people, rallying them around the cause is what creates community in modern times, but it's not quite the community that we want. And it's very interesting that um, if any community is for, if any people are getting excited about being part of this imaginary thing it's usually around these uh more violent ideas mm. sadly um mm. yeah so how how did it strike you at all there's so much here i i think this poem is such an interesting way to kick off a conversation about community because it does it starts with um deep pain and violence which is not usually what we think about when we think about community but i think you're right um there's, there's so many things in here. I wanna try to remember and capture two or, two or three of them right off the jump um, and then we can go from there. But um, I think the first thing is this idea of um, community being, um, we are driven I think as humans to want our lives to have meaning. And the most satisfying way for our lives to have meaning is in relation with each other. And this, this group sense that together as a group, we are making meaning in some way that's different than being alone. Um, and usually what prompts that historically has been either a creed, you know, some sort of religious or, you know, religious practice, spiritual practice, cult practice, kind of whatever form it takes, this sort of um, dogma or, or ideal that everyone says, this is the way the world works and we all agree and participate or it's been um, a sort of state creed that the war that's been um, protect, here is our sense of tribe, here's our sense of who we are and people and protect that um, and, and fight others accordingly. Um, or it's been biological family and all the ways that our biology tells us to privilege the people that we came from and the people who come from us more than anyone else. And so what I think is so interesting is um, this poem in you, you bringing it up, is challenging that notion of what are we organizing around and what are, you know, obviously the, um, the damages and risks and the kind of horrible conclusions we can take them to when those are our, when those are our organizing principles in some ways. Um, but I think that opens for me the question of today, we're obviously seeing this play out um, and there's a, there's a real sense of, um, pride around defending your people as there should be, you know, and, and the, the ferocity with which um, Ukrainians have fought back has been really um, very beautiful and inspiring and important to see, even while knowing that war is just hell. Like it's just, it's just awful um, for everyone involved. So I think there's, um, 
yeah, thinking about as we want to be, as we talk about community, as we talk about kind of post-institutionalist organizing of belonging, what are going to be those things that draw us together? And I think that's where we see a lot of interesting questions being asked, but a lot of fumbling. I don't think people have quite figured out what, what the non-state, non-religious, non-biological family unit is going to look like. Um, so that's cool. Another thing I was thinking is that what forms, what compels people to form a cohesive community or cohesive identity is not the same thing that allows people to continue that. And so mm. like the purposes, like you were saying, the purposes of coming together to fight a war is usually about a direct physical threat. And then once that threat is neutralized or goes away or defeated, or, you know, what have you, then what? You know, and that's where I think obviously a lot of our, a lot of history is um, rebellions or nations or revolutions, um, you know, getting what they wanted and then saying, oh no, kind of who are we after this? What's actually uniting us right. um, beyond that? And there was a third point, but I think I lost it. So we'll start with those two. <laughs> but those, those are some of the thoughts I have coming out of that. So how do we yeah, think about community there? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think they're definitely related because the the original um, the original um, glue was just the threat of of not not being able to survive with with those people around you. That's what a tribe does. It's strength in numbers. Um, yeah, in an unforgiving environment, and uh, there seems to be something that's that's lost when actually now that we're out of the food chain well at first we didn't need any sort of narrative like they did not need to talk about oh you know the lions are out there and the lions are out to get us or the other tribe is out to get it was just a a fact of life and it didn't need to be discussed once you step outside of the food chain and like you say, there's this dispersal, like natural dispersal almost, if I don't need you for that uh, strength in numbers effect, um, why should I hang around? Uh, and then we drift apart and then we start feeling, oh, well, I do need people. And now what brings them back? And that's when the um, Dulce Decorumist Propatria Mori and Cognates come into play because they immediately put you back in that. It's it's the simplest narrative that just kind of immediately brings you back to that um, ancient instinct of of fending uh, fending together as a tribe. Mm -hmm. And isn't it up to us to develop more nuanced stories and mm -hmm. narratives to? actually look at things outside of ourselves as a society, but instead of, you know, things that are, um, that are so dangerous, things that could be more beautiful, things that could yeah. be built together. Yeah. Something like that. I love, I love that question. And here's, here's a question back to you. I don't, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I don't know enough of all of human history to have the answer to this, but um, I'm thinking about the great, certainly at least monotheistic religions, all of them were founded out of that survival mentality as well. Um, the earliest Jewish traditions, the earliest Muslim traditions, the earliest Christian traditions, 
deeply involved, we will be feeding the community. Together, we will share resources. Together, we will provide laws that protect us. You know, is there is governance or resource sharing baked in to the earliest religious practices. And only later has it become much more, at least, you know, so speaking from the US, which is a predominantly Christian country, that's the idea of being a Christian now is like, I go to church and I believe things, but it doesn't actually have much materially to do with, this is my community that provides for me on the whole. Um, and so I think about that as that shifted away, that's where you start getting a lot of fights around dogma, a lot of fights about belief and practice, a lot of fights about opinions, about how we treat people, how we, you know, what that means about what we believe. And it sort of shifts into a matter of belief rather than, than lived community also, as well as belief. And I wonder about, um, I think about other social movements, um, that have, you know, political movements, um, kind of cultural movements, and the ones that have tied that to a sort of sense of resource sharing and sort of like material survival versus ones that have not. And I think that's a really compelling question too. Like, is it, have there been successful, either successful in terms of long-standing existent communities or successful in terms of like very broad adoption idea of community that does not involve like, survival-based resource sharing in some way like can you think of any examples i'm not sure that i can off the top of my head well the the only example i can think of uh, that i know from history or that pops into my mind is probably uh martin luther king's i have a dream you know something like that because it's not about uh it's not about survival it's about uh justice more so then survive actually jesus too you know starting his work um obviously he's uh talking about the downtrodden and the meek and those people in need and that's interesting in itself because it shows that whatever um the society was the the jewish society that he lived in already started to diverge into um different groups and um, there were at that time probably about four or five main sects of Judaism that have drifted apart. And he and, you know, the, the story that kind of had all of Judaism, all of the Jewish people identifying with and working with was just not relevant anymore for the poor population around the Sea of Galilee. And uh, they were looking at those uh, and the, at the rich elites of the uh, Levites and and the the priest uh, caste, mm -hmm. and so it broke away because the 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 story did not hold it anymore. They were both Jewish. He was a Jewish man going going out against other Jewish people, because the thing that held them together as a community was it was just too um, obscene and egregious the situation mm -hmm. of how poor these people were compared to the other people. Um, so maybe his message is also uh, not, although, yeah, th there are definitely hungry people mentioned in the New Testament. So it could be that he was about about actually saving them from starvation. But I feel like it was more about uh, justice and doing justice. And um, I yeah, mean, I, I, I will maybe survival. I didn't, I, I don't think I quite meant survival. Like I will die without it so much as like that, that degree of, attention to the kind of 
bodily physical well-being in the world and so oh but also, it used to be i think i think judaism did grow in that like the ancient beginnings yeah, of, of judaism it, it is yeah. it is very um tribal yeah. a very a violent kind of atmosphere where they need to carve out a niche and the land and to have the land because uh, back then it was it was kill or be killed for sure yeah and i think even with um with you know the example of martin luther king jr with civil rights a lot of that was around sort of um like bodily autonomy the, the ability to live freely and practice freely and and have access to things but even something like the black panther party was went an, another step beyond that to provide education schooling food mm -hmm. for communities and they also had a more um you know kind of overtly um willingness to use violence component than than martin luther king jr's particular mm -hmm. brand of that and i think but i i think on the whole they were considered more dangerous in part because they were actually doing very very intentional community building um in a way that was seen as threatening mm -hmm. but anyway yeah no it's just an interesting question to to like wonder have there have there been communities that purely kind of live in the the idea space of belonging the idea space of we want to kind of all be together that doesn't actually involve um some degree of we we care for each other as well um in material ways um you had another thought that i really loved as well um that was kind of how do we how are, i think the way you said it was something around how are we sort of refining and maturing our ideas of what even brings us together like mm -hmm. what what are we thinking about now um but i also thought it was beautiful i wanted to hear more about yeah it's well if it doesn't work and it doesn't work these like nationalist patriotic call to arms thing it uh, gets a group of people going but it also almost um, according to history ensures that um, it will at some point die as well it doesn't last um, yeah and I'm just thinking you know what what stories could we or what narrative should we use to actually feel that we are, we, we do need that if we are to be a part of one super organism, this organism needs to do certain things uh, that are going to cause each individual to be happy that they're part of this super organism, right? So be, um, be happy with the goal, be happy with the means. And I think this the narrative has to be at some point that we're out here to do something that is about mm -hmm. uh beautifying and preserving and nourishing uh, the universe you know maybe looking mm -hmm. looking far into the future maybe it's about going out there and doing uh good things unto others in the universe and and um making other um barren planets flourish i don't know mm -hmm. and but I don't know. I'm sure there are sci-fi authors that have written about it, but none of it has become mainstream. So is it just a matter of we're not there yet because it's it's you know we're part of a of a of a on a global scale we're part of an elite that you know we have the privilege to to think about that or uh, I don't know. But for for whatever reason, I haven't seen any kind of narrative like that that gains traction hmm. um 
Yeah, I think about that a lot as well, sort of the stories that we tell, the, the future stories that we tell and how we end up, we do end up emulating them often. Um, and I think I also am very underread in terms of like beautiful speculative fiction. <laughs> there's, yeah. there's, um, there's visions of sort of a, a future that, um, that feels both possible and really beautiful. I know there are stories out there. I don't know what they are. So maybe that's a good question for broader, <laughs> like anyone listening, tell us what your favorite stories are that are beautiful. Yeah, um, right. Because I think we see that emulation happening with some of the more grim, um, you know, dystopian stories. Uh, one of my favorite examples is, you know, the movie Minority Report? I have, I know the I know the, the the gist, but I haven't seen it. It's a great movie. I loved it when it came out. Um, I was in school and just thought it was so perfectly dystopian and thrilling. And then a few years later, read an article about making it, and basically they gathered together um, several kind of leading, I think, thinkers in uh, the Bay Area in Silicon Valley, and were sort of like, "What do you see coming in 10, 15, 20, 30, 40, 50 years?" what like what do you think would be cool or what are you kind of worried will happen and they basically engaged in speculative fiction with these folks and then went and like mm -hmm. added a lot of those elements into the movie and so things like touch screens were in there on um, personalized ads which I distinctly remember watching and thinking oh that'd be so creepy to have someone <laughs> sort of know me and, you know in in the in the minority report vision it's like a hologram of a person saying welcome they all thank you for coming to our store you know blah, blah. which of course that's not happening right now but online it's that's been good for, it, <laughs> yeah it functionally is happening online where you're getting things fed to you mm. um and that was not a thing that existed yet and i was like oh how how creepy and weird and you know i don't know four or five years later that started happening um so even like the idea of uh, there's also that came out when i was in middle school or high school and now i'm at an age where people my age and younger grew up on that movie and we're like oh we should build things like that <laughs> it's like no <laughs> just because we can does not mean we should stop giving like but I think I do I this is all to say the stories that we tell about the future um have a way of becoming true because it's the models we're giving ourselves and um I feel very clear on all the ways that that's dangerous and I feel way less clear on where are the beautiful stories of that um so yeah I also need to do some hunting around for those. Yeah, you know, come come to think of it, like I do think that some ideologies that are, in essence, religions, uh, sprouted around the idea of of a better tomorrow. Again, starting with with justice, which um, is really the book that I sat down to write and never finished uh, when COVID mm -hmm. hit, and I should I should do that sometime. Um, but a lot of it is, is about, um, having these amazing societies like, uh, communism, like early communism, right. It's about, uh, again, rectifying the wrongs that, um, some elites were committing. Mm -hmm. And then the sad truth is, is it gets hijacked always. It always gets hijacked by, again, the, the fundamentalists, those that, tell the, the the even more com or it's not that their story is more compelling it's just that usually they use violence which for um 
just regular people is out of the question like you know you and i could argue all day about some small things and we may not but i doubt whether any of us would actually raise a hand on the other person where people make that step and go beyond it it's actually uh violence is powerful sadly um and and then it kind of there's a call to arms to all violent people to join that if if the again it's around justice okay it's about establishing a, a worldview that dehumanizes and uh, makes you on the right side of history right? everybody wants to be on the right side of history obviously the people who are committing horrible war crimes they see themselves as being on the right side of history yeah. as well um so yeah, justice seems to be very important yeah. in, in all of this discussion. And it's fascinating. So I released a podcast episode that was a reverse episode where um, Chloe was interviewing me about justice. So a lot of it can be yeah. found there. But justice is just this fascinating concept that seems to be so central to our thinking about community and also whether to establish a community and how will it function long-term because actually no community can function long-term without justice. It can be, it can be, it can survive for hundreds of years committing injustices, acting as cancer against other communities, but on the long run, it's going to crumble. So see uh, Rome, Athens, um what have you i'm really interested in this and i think you're right and i'm curious in terms of justice being integral to ideas of community and i'm curious what if yeah what what are your can i get more of your thinking around that <laughs> yeah not that this also has to become a whole other episode about justice but it but it could um and i'm, I'm curious <laughs> how does how does justice relate to community for you what what feels important about justice being um, a, a central consideration when we talk about community and belonging. Yeah, well, it comes up in Plato's Republic and it's discussed there because out of the four cardinal virtues in ancient Greece, which are wisdom, courage, um, temperance, that's an iffy um, translation, but that's what we have. So uh, wisdom, courage, temperance, and justice. Out of these Justice is the is the most obvious one because it deals between um, it deals with dealings between people. Mm -hmm. So I can uh, do what I can do to appear wise to you. I can um, I can do what I can to to appear courageous. I can I can do whatever to appear temperate. You know I can mm -hmm. handle myself quite well for as long as we're going to talk here and then go home and binge on whatever drug of my choice you know mm -hmm. i can appear all these things with justice i have to reveal something about mm. about my thinking mm. and and because it's about dealings with other people um socrates suggests that you know maybe this is going uh well it's not socrates actually but he knows where the discussion is going where they want to um to discuss justice and the sophist in that um dialogue Thrasymachus is doing what sophists do which is undermine society for their own individual gain of money so he's subverting logic with words with beautiful um he's a great orator 
So sophists were these great orators that just would charm the crowd and would be able to subvert logic with, with words um, up to a point where they said the way they could sell people the idea that, you know, justice, his, his slogan that he's trying to prove um, to the gang there in the, in the dialogue is um, justice is the advantage of the, of the strong or of the, um, yeah, of the superior. Mm -hmm. And so that's where it came from. And I started uh, thinking about it quite a bit. And it turns out that, you know, we have a few things that we associate with justice in our society. So we have, um, so first of all, we have, uh, but it boils down to codes. It boils down to codes because most of us are not thinking uh, critically and we're not thinking dialectically. We don't think for ourselves. So what happens is that what we're left is because we don't synthesize things in real time in a creative way and decide on what the fitting action should be, we turn to codes. So this starts quite early and the first codes are just these mythologies. You have gods and then they're just, they're, they're these like, society-wide notions of what you should do to please the gods or something to get good reigns and all that and it's becoming ritualized and, and there you are you have this code right and then someone who wants to um, someone who is um, from a societal point of view is is cancerous in, in the sense that uh, they're trying to benefit themselves only benefit themselves at the expense of others then they kind of take it and they make whatever changes are necessary to make the code really work for them. They take advantage. And I think the next thing that you see after, um, well, actually it's, it's, it's hard. Maybe before religion, there's even just the, just the code of uh, do, do as your parents did, because that's what got us here. So in ancient societies, you have very, very strong conservatism because uh, you were born into a niche uh, that your tribe is in and you will die in this niche, okay? You're, there's not going to be a new invention. There's not going to be a new anything. You're born into the world and when you live it, it's the same old world. So there is serious conservatism that just tells you, you know, do what your ancestors did to, to survive. So maybe that's the most, most ancient code and it's not written, it's not anything, it's um, it's just passed through generations. Then there's religion, like I said, and it also allows uh, more people to join and create bigger societies where, you know, if you and I both believe in the same God, and maybe even though we don't know each other personally, uh, it's still going to make us stick together and cooperate. Um, and then later on, at some point, you have uh, the laws of Hammurabi, which are the beginning of secular law maybe, and then somebody like Solon in Athens who wrote down laws for the first time. Um, so then you have uh, law as we know it. That is ostensibly has nothing to do with religion, but uh, the word in Arabic for religion is din and, the, and a word for law in Hebrew is din because it's the same, it's a code. Um, so then there are codes for people to follow, but the problem with the code is that 
there, there are always going to be bugs. There's going to be the time that appears well, the just thing to do is to kill somebody before they kill you or your family or whatever, you know? We can talk about things that are happening right now. You know, there's individual freedoms. Well, it looks like if you're a Russian oligarch, right now your individual freedoms don't trump um, the fact that uh, you're in some way contributing to a to a, an unjust war machine, right? Um, so this is why justice is is so interesting. And it's not any of the things that we that we associate with justice, like the the justice system, the court system. It's not justice. Well, justice has to do with reward and punishment, with what to do. But uh, the way we do things is, uh, if a person commits injustice, for example, uh, Russia right now, uh, we just commit. A different injustice upon them so they might stop in committing the first injustice but we don't rectify things we just do we just kind of tit for tat thing mm. um yeah when true justice is actually constantly understanding reality to understand what we could do to benefit others not just not harm them but benefit yeah. others at all times yeah, more of a restorative justice lens on things. Yeah, I think that's right. And I think um, that is, that's such a, like, such an um, interestingly articulated kind of evolution of the idea of, of justice through time. So thank you for that. That was great. Yeah. Um, I think I love what you said a while back about justice being um, revealing because it is about the way that we deal with each other. And that is, um, that is beautifully said. And I think that is kind of something that underpins the idea of um, community, whether it is thinking about a, a state, a nation state, or thinking about um, a group of people who just want to get together and try to build something they call community. Or you see that in, you know, um, even thoughts around DAOs right now or working with the idea of governance. How do we, you know, how do we sort of self-govern some baseline what's our sort of like organizing principles and how do we what are the protocols we want to have around those things um so that shows up everywhere and i think that is interesting to think about when we think about community now i think the reason i think both you and i are drawn to this idea because we're we're drawn to the idea of building and finding communities that we don't feel that we have yet, um, building, building types of communities we feel like we could see in the world, um, or having some experience. Um, everyone has experience with communities, drawing from our own experiences of saying, this was unsatisfying, this was harmful, this was good, this was you know something that doesn't exist anymore, but maybe should, You know, kind of looking at our own past experiences to think, what is this desire that's in us to, to create things? And I also think we're seeing that that's a, a broad desire right now, certainly on both of our corners of the internet. I think uh, there's there's a lot of conversation around what community is, what belonging means and why that's important and how we build for it. And I'm curious what, where conversations around justice and, and kind of um, fair dealing shows up in those conversations and, and like, 
whether that is maybe a sticking point that we see. We've talked about how so many people will talk about, oh, we should all go in and you know, get, get land together and have these shared physical spaces. And then most people don't actually move to do that thing. And I wonder if that's, that's a little bit of the rub as well, is this sense of, oh, I actually have to really want to be around you all the time. <laughs> like, I have to actually really work hard to treat you well all the time. And that's really different than just saying, we're going to have a great conversation and then see you later, you know? Um, I don't oh, know. Yeah. Like, it makes me think about the degree to what the, the gulf that still exists between what I think both you and I are experiencing right now, helping to build right now and, and benefiting from, which is amazing that kind of amazing networks of people online we're finding incredible people we're making good friends we're having all these kinds of amazing conversations and then there's a huge gulf between that and we do life together um and i think people are trying to bridge that gap but that's often where where the trip up comes is okay how do we actually want to think about things like child raising how do we actually want to think about where we live like i'm gonna to have to come to where you are no you come to where i am <laughs> sort of like um, yeah and yeah. i i thought about it as a sense of loss of autonomy but what's really interesting is i wonder if what you're also hitting on is like a kind of discomfort with what that means we're gonna to have to figure out how to do together as well like we're gonna actually have to build these protocols that we all agree on as well and not harder yeah, well, actually, the, the protocols of, of how things function will only serve the point of, you know, how um, how the superorganism will will handle itself most efficiently, but they can never solve for for matters of justice because they, they are just one other type of code, right? Mm -hmm. But yeah, you point out correctly that uh, most people are, are very far from understanding that justice is not about not harming and uh, coexisting peacefully with other people. That's not what justice is. Uh, it's about uh, benefiting others at all times. Uh, in your mind, the default should be, that what could I do to, to benefit this other person? Not just not to harm it, because of course, um, as with the, with the parable of the, of the Good Samaritan, um, the point is that it's not good enough to see somebody who's been uh, beaten up and is bloody and and has a broken leg or whatever was just robbed. It's not good enough not not to go there and you know stab him to death. Yeah. No, the, the, if you if you walk by, we all recognize that's unjust. Still, if you just walk mm -hmm. by, you need to mm -hmm. pick up the person, ask him, you know, see that they're. You know, in the case of the Good Samaritan, send them to an inn and pay for their staying, even though you're a Samaritan and they're a, a Jew, which at those times was a big deal. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's about that. And yeah, I think it's easy for us to, to think about the protocols. Th this is what, you know, growing up in a, in a kibbutz, in a, in a communist village at the beginning, it was easy. Everybody was was around this uh, protocol of mm. you know, to to um, each person is going to get what they need for their um, whatever needs. But of course, then any protocol has to be expanded and expanded, and then looked at special cases, and then in the end, there are rulings, and people are not going to um, agree on these rulings because the person who has asked for a 
um, an easel and a canvas and some oil colors. And that was expensive in the old days. And you know, to, to, to them, that was a, that was a, a deal breaker. And then the kibbutz would say, it's like, well, we're sorry, you know, it's not um, to us. It's not, you could do without it, whatever. All these deal breakers and rulings in the end, uh, kind of everywhere, they always end up making people unhappy because they're about the, the code and its refinement. And we need to move on and realize that, yeah, just as we, I think if, if we understand it in any sense at all anymore, it's maybe in like the institution of marriage where you actually take an oath to, you know, be close to someone and be with them when the when the going gets tough and try to benefit them and make them happy this is maybe the last thing that remains of society is the nuclear family um and and even that is probably greatly eroded and um to me, there needs to be a serious discussion about uh, justice. And if I may also introduce the interesting fact that, you know, in, in my book, I wrote this kind of a poetic metaphor about um, after the, the death of, of George Floyd, which really prompted me to write the book because it was such a, a big case and it was so egregious the way he was treated and in his last moments. Um, you know, people usually walk in the walk around the city and they obey the traffic lights and they obey whatever lines are there um, and the, and the crossings. And when something like that happens, you see all the so the image I used was that you know as as the last molecules of air left the body of George Floyd, they were almost like. Um, the people in the city were just kind of everything descended into disorder because there was no, there was a, a disobedience to these um, long-standing rules about where to walk and what side to walk on, whatever, because there are these giant protests and you see unrest and disorder and order is intimately connected with, with justice because order is what, order is an indicator of health, right? Be it in an individual a body or a society um, and we want to see order we we like to live in an orderly society but the order can be established on two different levels so one level is just kind of um forcing order with this with these codes again that we said and this is forced and enforced by people on the ground and people in the courts but um, i think we mentioned it everything that must be um, maintained with uh, force is doomed. Um, so that's Henry Miller. And whereas justice is this grassroots movement of people who understand how to treat one another and they want for their own mental health to benefit other people because they recognize the needs and benefits are aligned, that okay. it's, it's a self-organizing organism mm -hmm. rather than a top-down um, approach of somebody trying to hold the, the the whole thing together somehow. That's a really lovely way of distinguishing that. Um, yeah, because you're absolutely right that order order is not inherently just. There are many unjust ways to uh, apply and enforce order. But this, I think, what you're saying is, is and they're doomed, and they're doomed. But for a while, it looks like order. 
And yes, and and they are doomed ultimately, but for a while it's very it's it can be horrifically destructive um, while it exists. And so yeah, I think what you're talking about is this more kind of generative the the order, the almost harmony of um, people who who do recognize that they belong to each other. And like to your point the, that my health and well-being is bound up in your health and well-being. And if you are not, if you are in any way um, oppressed, uh, you know, suffering um, without um, X, Y, Z, then that is going to affect me. That's going to harm me. And I care about you. And I also care about my own well-being. You know, can't, it's okay to say, I care about your well-being because I know it affects mine, you know? Yeah. Um, and that- Enlightened self-interest. <laughs> yeah. And that, that, um, that sort of, that's a really beautiful way to think about the concept of order as being almost these natural sort of balancing. It's like this natural pattern or this sort of natural harmony that emerges from, from, a, a community of people that recognize that belonging with each other and that does look and that can look like chaos in an unjust order system you know so when you're talking about mm -hmm. protests and things that is a sign that whatever is orderly quote unquote is actually not just because if it were that kind of chaos would not exist um and yeah yeah i think that's right yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's 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 just this seeming order, but mm -hmm. actually, you know, a lot of people are coming into the discussion of community, and they, uh, through no fault of their own, we're not we're not uh, brought up to to think about it in this way. But once you recognize, you might recognize that you're coming into this discussion and really thinking about this community thing because you don't belong and you want to belong and you want all these mm -hmm. things. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, the whole point is like, I want to find other people that um, uh, it's for me, yes, but I know that the, the path to this goes through me benefiting them and them recognizing what I'm doing so mm -hmm. that we could still have disagreements, but yeah. sort it out and have um, and know to always um, trace our steps back to where we do agree and see where it yeah. diverges and so on to create understanding. And this is really rare because most people are, are very intimidated by uh, the thought of having to actually have hard discussions with people and mm -hmm. a diligent, methodical things like uh, dialectic um discussions with others it is it is it is about being responsive to the conditions the way that things are right now in a way that is beyond just yourself and your own kind of pain or dislocation um i was writing to some friends about this earlier this week actually um saying that i just hmm, how do i say this uh that i think i think community um, at its most enduring is always a response to the way that things are and is recognizing some gaps and has a little bit of vision for how things could be a little bit different. So it's not sort of a, I'm going to remove myself, the privilege of removing myself from this environment and saying, no, no, I'm just going to create something totally different and everyone come join me. Um, so much as saying, this is what this is something that's missing or something that's wrong or something that's underdeveloped in my lived context. And 
could be better for a lot of people and could be better in, in important ways and and for me um and trying to trying to develop that is really hard work but it it, it does raise a question for me around um this is something i've thought about frequently but but not as in depth probably as i should have and that's around um kind of this idea of restorative justice this idea of transformation um how much of what we're seeing and in our own impulses toward community building are a little more of that escapist mentality that that's sort of like well eh, it's not really working for me right here so what if we just kind of run over here and do something totally different versus saying something like um where in the places that we live right now is there lack of community where I could actually build some? Where in the systems or institutions I've been a part of are there things that are broken or failing that I could help change? And it's that's hard because it's significantly less sexy and you have way less playing room because it's, you know, these encrusted <laughs> institutions or scenarios that that maybe um, are not as easy to work with. But that's something I thought about. Um, I would say recurringly through my own life um where do i want to stick around somewhere and try to help make it better versus where does it feel better and maybe more important for me to kind of be a loner for a while and then try to accumulate my people and build something better instead um and i yeah i don't know i'm curious have you have you felt that tension and how how do you make choices around that yeah <laughs> how do you make all your life decisions <laughs> Just casual, yeah. <laughs> easy questions today. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely it's definitely a tension. Um, first and foremost, I'll say that even restorative justice is kind of already um, sounds uh, sketchy to me because it's it says uh, it's saying something about uh, rectifying a wrong, and and justice is. To me, the way I understand it, it's it's always about what we're going to do going forward, never about uh, what was. So if you look at something like, um, what is it called, like truth and reconciliation, uh, things that happening in, in Rwanda after the civil war there, um, it's already a step in the right direction because it, it, it says so. It's, it's about reconciliation. Um, uh, going forward, there's not going to be um, a, a chasm between uh, people that, that used to be there. Uh, so mm -hmm. I, I like that. That's a step in the right direction. Um, so I, I don't know, is that considered uh, restorative justice? But in any case, just to make the point that really our whole thinking about things that have happened the whole thinking about trying to make them right in retrospect is it, it's um, it's not a viable idea at all. It's like the only thing you could do is then to um, do commit injustice upon the other person so that they feel bad about what they did or something like that. That's in essence the idea of incarcerating uh, people. Most likely, like there's also a point of removing them from society, which I could more readily accept because some people are psychopaths and maybe they just can't be in society. But most of the time, it's about the number of, of years, you know, it's just this like wish to see, trying to get the number of years this person is going to be incarcerated right, like 
10 seems too, too low, 30 seems too much. And it's like, this is not what justice is about. So I, I will say that. And about, um, about you know, seeing uh, what you can do to actually uh, create a community. Yeah, it's definitely not as sexy to talk about justice. I haven't managed to make it into a sexy subject at all. And um, <laughs> that's why I think people are relying on uh, maybe like a loose set of beliefs about like, let's say new age, they will do something about a common interest. That's gonna keep them um, friendly for a while. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a general vibe. It's like this acceptance thing that we can all share. Uh, but these things only last for a while because just because you and I might uh, have a shared interest in um, uh, whatever acrobatics or um, <laughs> crystal healing or anything like that that that's it really says nothing about our our understanding of of justice mm -hmm. um, it really says nothing and in the long run there's going to be uh, this discussion needed to actually create a viable society, uh, the discussion about justice should be part of not the curriculum even. It should just be part of everyday life in 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 the homes of of people. So yeah, I'm thinking a lot about how I could uh, impact the life of the community around me. Like I came up with the idea of organizing like a treasure hunt for the place mm. where I live. You know, something that could get people interested in doing something together and create a buzz. Um, so that's like a small thing. That's it's 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 one thing that a community that's fun to live in would have, but it's not big on the level of I'm actually going to probably get people to understand justice better. I don't know. How would you do do that? I mean, how would you do that? To me, it's it's one of the most frustrating things it all seems almost like sci-fi like i know it's yeah. possible but you know a thousand years down the line through some i don't know yeah well it's tricky and i think i think because it is such a huge task it's it is tricky to think about undertaking that at the beginning especially if you don't know where a community is going or what it's going to be um so i think um i'm thinking back on some experiences I've had or environments I've been in. Um, one thing that came to mind while you were talking was, I was thinking about this just yesterday. I love talking about community. I love trying to build communities. And then I was thinking about it and I was like, I don't even really know most of my own neighbors. And like, that is 101. <laughs> just like <laughs> the, degree, the degree to which, um, the degree to which we're talking about community. I think for me, a lot of it that I'm coming to just as a personal ethic is how do I, how do I live this in my, you know, real life online or um, online and offline um, yeah. life? How am I, how am I personally practicing an ethic of welcome, transparency, hospitality, um, conversation, good treatment, like following up, like being aware of harm happening, being aware of creating conditions where that's not, you know, we reduce the potential for harm, um, things like that. Um, but then also proactively thinking about how to, to support each other, to your point. Um, and I think, I think one suspicion I have is that the more that we practice that in our individual daily lives, in our individual 
interactions with people, the more that becomes a way of living that is self-evident that then makes it easier to, to think about that in the community um, situation. Um, I don't know. I don't know if that's true, but that's sort of, that's where I'm, where I'm coming to it. I also think that with, um, you're making a really good point about sort of the origin stories of communities and for people that are trying to build them or setting up new ones, um, understanding what the actual ethics are. So it's not just something like we're here and we're all going to be nice to each other and that's good and important and that will, to your point, carry you for a little while. But then what does nice mean and why are we being nice and what happens when someone isn't are all questions that are going to come up. And I do think... Um, I think thinking very proactively about all of that at the beginning and being clear about, you know, not just the principles, but the ethics behind it. What, what do we actually mean with, you know, say, say we're starting, I don't know, would you say in acrobatics? So we're starting a, a place for people to practice acrobatics, but also be a community. Okay. What does that mean? How do we, you know, what, what's our understanding of why acrobatics are important for people? What's our understanding of what happens? Can you come if you're injured? Can you come if you're a child and you can't legally do classes for adults yet? Like just what is, what does access actually mean here? Um, things like that feel very important to think about at the very beginning of, um, community formations. And there's, there's ways that I've done that, um, in the past in ways that I haven't. And so I think, um, yeah, that's, that's kind of top of mind in terms of any communities that I want to dive into or feel like I'm helping to create is, is having a really clear ethic um, up front that people kind of know, they know the terms of what they're getting in on and, and they can reasonably expect that those terms will be upheld in, in their favor when they're part of it. Yeah, yeah. But aren't we falling back into the trap of, of the code of like yeah. putting well, some. Yeah, but I think I think the ethics of something, what I mean by the ethics, I actually think is more than code. I think it's like a um like a um vision statement almost. That's like it's not like the this is this is what we will do and not do. A manifesto. Yeah. yeah, it's a manifesto. It's sort of like what's what's our mindsets, you know, think oh, about yeah like what's our what's our mindsets about this and then what kinds of codes and and protocols are we building on top of that to help support these mindsets but i don't think those two things are are the same yeah no i mean it it goes back to the whole question of you know what what binds us together in terms of of a shared goal which now i think you know it it could be something of we want to see ourselves as a just society and we just know there's no other way um there's the only way to to be a just society is to have every individual in that society understand and, and apply justice in real time and it and it happens with every decision that we make so at time in at first this is um kind of uh, laborious right because you have to uh, apply this um cerebral idea that you have this theoretical idea that you have about justice but when you as you become more adept at, at applying it it just comes easy but it's just not very easy to change our thinking about it and become people who understand justice and really uh, use it as their default when when mm -hmm. dealing with other people is how can i benefit this 
person because mm -hmm. time and time again it shows that if i'm thinking about my own well-being well that is probably the worst thing i could do for it if mm -hmm. i'm if i'm ever uh, worried about my well-being or like if i'm going to have it or not going to have it where we need to transcend all sorts of um kind of self-reflexive uh, thoughts about our own well-being and rather immerse ourselves in in the in the actions that just uh that just bring it on with mm -hmm. uh naturally and yeah so in terms of of the story that we could all uh share and and be be happy with um i think it could be something about like well this is a place where we understand um uh, what justice is and it's not just justice mm -hmm. because i mentioned the other four cardinal virtues which it turns out you know if you really think about you can't you can't understand one without understanding the yeah. other it's either you yeah. understand virtue as a whole or 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 you don't understand something um because justice you know just to give just to give an example with like temperance as it's usually translated uh, sofrosune it's actually the meaning is doing things in orderly fashion uh, so methodically with uh, understanding mm. what you're doing and all that um so anything truly just that you would do would also be truly um would also be truly orderly um yeah this is this is really interesting if if there's one thing i'd like to i'd like us to really understand and come out with is, is some sort of a lead for us to to um to hang on to and to think of something that would maybe try and um attract people to ideas like that at all you know mm -hmm. and uh i i try i might do it more consciously now in in talking with people but mm -hmm. i don't know could we do something like that hmm. Yeah, it's, it's a good question. I think the, um, yeah, I think uh, I was just thinking about how so much of our um, public discourse generally um, across all different forms of Twitter and larger media is sort of seems to be fighting over the codes or the protocols or the laws in place without a lot of, there's a lot of assumption about the because of why those things are in place and not actually a lot of good discussion around the the mindsets and the you know why are you saying that i can't say this why are you saying that i should say that um why are you saying that i can't do this why are you saying i should do that and there, there's not a lot of curiosity around like where's the because um mindsets that are yeah. that are drawing these things and everyone has them they're there well, all of us have the ethics and the the you know belief architecture that we kind of have around how we treat each other um but i think so much of conversation and even conversation around community building stays at the okay so what are we going to do what are what are our three tenets that's <laughs> sort of like and people yeah. are sort of like okay those tenets sound fine because they're never anything particularly controversial nor should they be so fine okay check sounds good move on but um but yeah there's i think the the asking like but why <laughs> why what is what is the mindset about about humans and, and kind of what we owe each other and how we belong to each other that is shaping this code is a really important question. 
Oh yeah, and it takes uh, the answer is because it takes listening, and people are not <laughs> and time and yeah, who yeah. Has that? <laughs> yeah, you know, I made I, I made a point in some tweet that you know so many people think that whatever thought passes their mind, whether it's whether it's coming from the outside, like somebody's speaking it to them, or they came up with it themselves, um, they identify with it. You know, so that's 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 totally scary because this means that um, people are going to say things that you don't want to hear because um, you basically feel like a convert each time you hear them and then your instinct is to just not listen to them. Although, you know, again, if you if you do the just thing, you want to be listening to a person, understand where they're coming from. Uh, you will, I promise you will find shared humanity with anyone. Um, but if you're so worried about your own mental integrity, because you feel like it's so brittle, mm. um, that's where the problems start. Again, it's, mm. it's, it's a mentality of like constantly fearing for the, for the integrity of your own soul. Um, and it's just not a, a good place mm. to be instead of, instead of focusing outside and saying, well, I know conceptually that a, a good, a good, um, good mental health or mental health is predicated on doing the right things in life. So I don't have to directly worry about mental health. I just have to worry about doing the right thing. And the right thing is always talking to somebody, even if they're saying terrible things, I can ask them questions. I don't have to believe what they're saying you know if, if they're swinging an, an axe towards me that's a different thing but as long as they're talking i can be talking i can be i can find uh, i can form an alliance with them mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so your question was how do we how do we create more practices like this going forward how do we how do we Develop how do, more. How do we make uh, justice sexy and uh, <laughs> dialectic and living well in general? Because it's not about yeah. explosions. And um, yeah. I don't know. That's a great question. Um, that's a great question. I feel like I feel like treating each other well and recognizing we belong to each other should be inherently sexy. That's a sexy thing. But we'll work on it. I don't know. Get us, yeah. get us on the case. We'll make it sexy. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Well, this has been lovely. It has. And, Thank uh, you so much. Yeah. I think we still have more to discuss. So maybe next time. Yes. Perfect. Looking <laughs> forward to it. Me too.